0: Welcome to the show. I'm Jackie Simmons, the host of the Suicide Prevention Show, where we are making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And we are doing it with some of the most amazing people on the planet. And I am so happy that you're here. This is exciting for me because we're going to be talking with Teresa Ledato, And it's a topic about... What people are not saying? What are they not saying? And how can we listen to what's not being said? So without further ado, hi, here I am. Teresa, please come on camera and unmute and we'll get this party started. Oh, look at you. Oh, that is a lovely scene. (laughs) And
1: I'm sorry, I probably should have put my little light ring up so you had a little bit more on my face. But I wanted to be out in nature today on the show because that's such an important aspect of what I'm going to be talking about today.
0: Well, cool. All (laughs) right. So take us on the journey to get to know you before we deep dive into the discussion. Tell everyone what is the latest and greatest thing about Teresa, because I know you are just on a roll and rocking this. Great,
1: thank you. Well, I am a conscious leadership and relationship coach. And what I do is I help people to elevate their self-awareness, improve their communication skills, and balance their lifestyle. So it's really about bringing those three elements together to improve every aspect of their life. And I work with small to mid-sized organizations, as well as business partners, individuals, and couples. And I also have a Conscious Teens program, which is something that I have recently launched and we're getting ready to take national. So it's really super exciting. Um, but there's you know, some really important work and I'm so thrilled that you invited me to share what I do with um, everyone here today, because this is such an important, important message to get out there. It
0: is. So when you're talking about taking a consciousness, conscious teens program nationally, I mean, you know, this is like, you're going to do what? Huh? 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 Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that get started?
1: Well, you know, um, I. I've got two teenagers myself, and then my niece and nephew are also teenagers. And of course, most of my friends uh, also have teenagers because we all grew up together. So, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, as I speak with my friends and and I get out there and I'm working with leaders and organizations, as well as parents, I'm recognizing that there's an element that each of us are saying, gosh, you know, the clients I work with, had I known this, when I was a teenager, how impactful my life would have been. And I really wish that there were more of this. And granted, I live here in California and my son attends a private school. And you know, there's been a lot of mindfulness and uh, growth mindset type activities that have been integrated into his schooling, which is fabulous. But the thing is, it's not available. It's not in every single high school that's in California. And of course, not nationwide either. And so I think that uh, for me and the program that I'm working on taking nationally with two other coaches, we're trying to bring awareness that teens need to be supported in a different way, especially in this day and age. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I speak with counselors at high schools, They say, you know, 10 years ago, they'd walk down the halls and everyone's chins would be high and people would be laughing and interacting. Now it's all of this. It's all of their heads down on their screens. They're experiencing a higher level of anxiety and depression in the students that they didn't see before. And, you know, with my counseling psychology background, those are elements that are kind of like, that's something that sticks out in your mind, that not that every single teenager is going to attempt suicide if they have some anxiety or depression, but that's definitely some of the markers that um, the therapists
0: look for. Mm -hmm. Cool, well, that's really, really important. Um, You know, we we do have a different level of awareness Mm -hmm. and we have to have a different level of awareness around our teens. When you're talking about all of the different things that you're doing and you brought this in, you know, I mean, let's face it, you got teens, okay. (laughs) So you you got teens trying to keep them into a conversation Mm -hmm. is probably the most valuable thing that we can do with our children, but it's not the way I was raised. Yeah. You know, I mean, I come from the children are seen and not heard. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a very big challenge for a lot of people so what is it that yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just going I want to ask you like 20 questions and they all want to come out of my <laughs> mouth all at the same time so if anybody's got a question they can pop it into the chat for me maybe that'll help me get mine into alignment Teresa, when it comes to the change that you think will occur when you take this program nationally, what is the outcome?
1: Well, I think one of the main things, and you started to say, you know, back in in your time, you know, children were seen and not heard. Definitely in my time, you know, we were always sent out the door. You know, come back home when the streetlights come on. You know, otherwise, just get outside, be gone. Right, and I think that in today's day and age, because it's so much different, I think that there is, um, you know, there's, it's, it's not a, a simple solution. You know, there's, it's a very complex, dynamic situation, but one where both parents are working, that has an impact on it. Uh, you know, there's the element of when the parents come home, they're stressed out from their work. And so maybe they're not as present as they could be with their children. You know, it's not very easy for us as humans, it's not like flicking a light switch where we can all of a sudden say, okay, turn off the stress, I'm ready to be here. And I think that that's probably the one thing that is really being impacted by the work that I do as a coach is helping parents, especially to be able to calm themselves, to bring themselves into an alignment and balance, and then modeling that for our children. You know, children from the time that their babies is growing up, I also have a four-year-old, she just turned four yesterday, and, you know, and I'm so aware of how much she watches every single thing that we do, and I think as parents, we forget that our teens are still doing that. They're still learning from us, and because they're out there in the world, they're learning from other people too. And so with the program that I do with Conscious Teens and that we'll be doing with um, two other coaches that I've uh, partnered up with, is we're going to be helping teens to remember, to remember the play, to remember presence, to demonstrate conscious listening, to demonstrate um, how to be in a relationship even if it's just a relationship with your best friend. You know, instead of bullying, instead of putting down, lifting one another up, um, being able to be present and listen fully, such an important tool that so many people just do not have, the ability to zip your lip and to just listen and to be curious about what's going on. Oh my God, I mean, these, these are things that, you know, I think to myself, Everybody should be doing this on a regular basis or could be. And if we were, what an amazing world we would be living in.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a very valid point. This idea of if everyone was just looking at how do I become more consciously present?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do I become more present when I'm with other people? And that's sort of an ongoing theme because it is the lack of connection. It is the Mm -hmm. distancing. And I'm not talking social distancing. I'm talking about the distance that comes up from the distractions of our day. Yes. You know, it's a naturally occurring phenomenon that it takes becoming aware of it in order to work with it. And I think what you're describing is the conscious presence practices for the teens Mm -hmm. are actually a way to counterbalance the distractibility absolutely
1: and also to kind of uh define and align their own goals and their own values as well as recognizing earlier on what some of the saboteurs are that they're already developing and how to get past them so there's lots of different elements
0: so we can have all kinds of okay when it comes to saboteurs i'm just going to go there for a minute Because in my world, the inner saboteurs are like an elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Other people can see that we're engaging in what might be considered self-sabotaging actions or inactions, especially around our business and around our kids. Mm -hmm. But we can't see them for ourselves. So these are the inner saboteurs that I call the elephants in the room. And so I have a lot of fun with them. Do you have like a short list of What are these? um, What are the causes behind these kinds of disconnects?
1: Yeah, as far as saboteurs and how they come along, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny. I'm a a positive intelligence licensed coach. So I work with Shazard Shamin, who is a Stanford lecturer, as well as a best-selling author of positive intelligence. And that is one of the elements of my coaching practice. Um, I have actually been doing work like that for many many years for like up to 10 years now um but he has this great if anybody's interested you can go to positiveintelligence.com and they have a saboteur assessment and it's just a quick little quiz that you can answer a bunch of questions to identify what your top saboteurs are (laughs) and um, you know that's something that i work with with coaches in my practice but I also, like right now I'm taking a group of uh, five professionals through the positive intelligence training program. Mm -hmm. And what I like to tell my clients is even though they're identified as saboteurs, I like to think of them as allies in disguise. And the reason I say this is because these saboteurs actually had a really beneficial uh, role in our lives when we were younger. They helped to keep us safe. And what ends up happening is as we get older and we experience more live, more in our lives and different situations, they can start to get a little out of hand. You know, they can get hyperactive. I like to compare them to a cancer cell. You know, they just start multiplying over and over and over and and rising up the excitability of, of stress and fear and worry and anxiety and doubt. All of those things that, you know, are meant to keep us safe, but they go into hyperdrive. And so the role that, uh, you know, I play with my clients, guiding them to work with their saboteurs or to work around them is to help them recognize, okay, this is an actual neural pathway in our brain that is a habit that has been formed. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do is be aware of it. Number one, bring awareness to it. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing we need to do is engage some sort of tool to interrupt the process. And when we do that on a consistent basis, just like with any other habit that we are looking to change, we are able to create a new neural pathway, one that has more of a positive impact on our lives. And just like they say it takes 21 days to change a habit, That is so because it literally takes 21 days approximately to have our brains create a new neural pathway. And so some of the PQ tools that um, I use with my clients is actually one of the free offerings that I'm offering to anyone listening now, three just two-minute audios that I can send you that will help you to interrupt any of those Um, saboteurs or saboteur-like feelings that come up. So whenever you start feeling stressed, whenever you start feeling like you're worrying too much, or you're in fear or anxiety, or you start getting into one of the quote negative emotions, you can engage one of these three audios that um, I'm happy to share with you to disrupt that neural pathway and to be able to create a different pathway instead. Um, In fact, I just led a a team of leaders for a nonprofit recovery program um, over the summer and introduced them to these things. And now they are teaching every single person that comes through the recovery program how to use these tools because they're so powerful. So
0: it's super incredible. We like things that work. So for everyone who is present today, we'll be dropping that link in a little bit. Don't worry, we'll get it to you. They don't have the instructions for how to access these. And so Teresa, I love simple tools and I also like things that are very time efficient. So Mm -hmm. this fits all of my criteria. (laughs) Um, for anything that that this is going to work for me this is this is effective and it's efficient and it's exciting because when we can start this conversation earlier and we can interrupt have ways to interrupt our own but you know the worst part about it is the times that I most needed the pattern interrupt was the times I was least able to Mm -hmm. pause long enough to do that And that's the biggest challenge that we found with teens on this topic of suicide prevention Mm -hmm. is that with the prefrontal cortex not fully developed, they don't have the pause button. Right. So anything that can shift them out of the habits of thought that are especially culturally indoctrinated Mm -hmm. is going to be really beneficial. Now, I'm going to check in on the chat because I saw a question here that I really... I mean, it, it's, it has a lot of uh, potential for triggering anybody who's listening. All right, but here we go. I'm going to read it exactly the way it was written. How can we counteract the dumbing us down to become cogs in the military-industrial complex and unquestioning consumers to become the unique person each of us was created to be, not conform to societal expectations, and to transform our own minds. Mm-hmm. So that's a big question. Um, the The first part of it was so painful, mm-hmm. for me. just just to even hear, because the awareness. Yeah. that we are dealing with an educational system that was designed for a military industrial <laughs> environment. I mean, yeah. that's the reality of our education system. That mm-hmm. was when it was created. It was created to create people who would follow orders. Right. The challenge is that it did a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It worked, it worked. So the counterculture, for me Um, has to come into a place of simple acceptance Mm -hmm. of the purpose behind the machinery, the purpose behind the educational system, to admire the fact that it did its job, it did exactly what it was designed to do hundreds of years ago, and that maybe it's outlived its usefulness in some arenas, and so we need to tweak the machinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever tried to turn an elephant or a large ship, think Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this. This is this is the more and and this is why I said acceptance comes first for me, because the more energy we put into making it wrong, the less energy there is to create positive change.
1: Right, simple, and that's just uh, yeah. That's and that's bringing up some beliefs. I mean, you know, as someone who. I was actually in the Navy outside of high school, and I was actually on a really large ship. I was on a civilian oiler. And so talk about the examples that you're using, you know, being in that rigidity, you know, that very high structured environment. Mm -hmm. And this is something I talk about in my book, Why Aren't You Listening to Me, is that there are masculine and feminine qualities within each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with your sex, your sexuality. It just is qualities that we all embrace and how, when I'm working with clients, evaluating how much of their masculine energy they're using or how much of their feminine energy they're using can really highlight where some change can occur as well as that self-awareness. And of course, this is also a piece of self-awareness, right? Because once you're observing yourself and you're observing what's happening in your life and recognizing kind of having that step back and being able to see yourself um, in an environment or in a situation is where it's become so beneficial. But the military, for example, and even public schools has a lot of masculine energy it's structure, it's rigidity, it's repetition, it's, um, you know, uh, it's, it's the action, it's just the go, you know, those are all very masculine traits, whereas the feminine traits are those where you're leaning back, there's collaboration, you know, uh, with the masculine energy, there's lots of competition, right, in the feminine, it's collaboration, it is Um, introspection. It is the pause between the words. It is the presence. And I think what is really happening in our day and age, and so many people, so many of the leaders, the thought leaders in this have been saying this for a while, is that we're coming more into, we're shifting from that masculine energy, that masculine patriarchy, and we're shifting more into a feminine way of being you know, large companies. I'm here outside of the Silicon Valley, you know, so places like Google and Apple and a lot of these large tech firms already have this collaborative environment. This is something that they have recognized from a long time ago, that there is this need for change. And I think what we can do by bringing this awareness into ourselves, um, you know, it's it's so important to start with yourself, and so if you can recognize in your life where you are exhibiting a lot of masculine energy, you know, um, if you're a, just even a mom, you know, thinking about this, if you're always on a really tight schedule and you're not allowing yourself to just have that break where you can ah, take some deep breaths... Reset your adrenal system so that you're not constantly in that fight or flight mode, then you're too much in the masculine space. And so there's an invitation for you to drop into that presence to take some time out here in nature. This is one of the easiest things that people can do. Granted, if you're in New York City or San Francisco, you might not have, you know, we uh, got Golden Gate Park and, uh, and Central Park, but you know, this is something that is so easy to do. Just get outside, take your shoes off, walk on the grass. If you're near the water, walk barefoot on the sand. There's such grounding properties in that. And it just invites your system to reset. We are part of nature. And so this is one of the easiest things we can do. The other one is just to take some breaths and breathe. (laughs) So many women, especially, are these really shallow breathers. You know, they breathe into the upper part of their chest. And they go throughout their day. And they go to their aerobics class. You know, and it's just constant. Whereas, if we would embrace the feminine aspects of ourselves, and lean into that pause, take some.
0: And as everyone deep takes breath. A deep breath with you, we're going to take a pause and start unpacking some of the things that you said, mm-hmm. because there was so much information that I want to make it into slightly more <laughs> digestible pieces.
1: can you tell i'm super passionate about what i do
0: (laughs) i can tell you're super passionate and you're like me you have a ton of content Mm -hmm. and shifting from content to conversation about some of these pieces is going to make it easier for everyone to get this idea Mm -hmm. of one neither side is wrong exactly that that that's the first presence of awareness for me with the way you were describing things is that neither side is wrong we are just sort of on a spectrum Mm -hmm. and we have been leaning towards the um hierarchical the and 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 there's a conversation that was had in a great book um the goddess and the alphabet where (laughs) it was the shift from the feminine to the masculine came with the written language where Mm -hmm. things became linear rather mm-hmm. than the pictogram where that, that used more the right side of the brain, the more creative. And so and, and we know whole brain, left and right hemispheres, it's not quite so cut and dried as science originally tried to tell us it was because we're, we're human, we're ever evolving. So our brains have evolved as well. But this piece about the spectrum and the invitation to wherever you are on the spectrum, if you lean more towards the masculine, look for some pause practices. Mm-hmm. If you lean more towards the feminine, and and one of there, there's some lovely ways to describe them, um, Teresa. So let's unpack several. Let's give them several different ways for, to talk about the same concept. Sure. Okay. Um, at the extremes, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. At, As in all things. <laughs> yeah. At the extremes, it's easier to explain. So mm-hmm. the, the extreme of masculinity might be what we would consider nowadays domineering. Mm-hmm. And the extreme of the feminine energy would be dismissing. Mm-hmm. You know, one domineering of opinion and the other is dismissing your own opinion. And, and so finding where you are. And, and bringing it more towards the center on whatever end of the spectrum, I think is a great goal. But let's give them a couple of specific practices because you gave one for kind of calming this one down and bringing it to the center. What's something that someone on the other end of the spectrum could do to bring them towards the center?
1: Sure, well, let me provide an analogy that I think really um, helps my clients. So I like to think if you imagine a river, you've got two river banks, one on each side, right? And then you've got the flow of the river. And when the river is being held by those river banks, the water can flow effortlessly around and over rocks and obstacles, whatever's there. So I like to think of masculine energy or those masculine qualities as being the river banks. And then the feminine quality to be in the flow of the river. And as long as you have those two things in balance, you have the potential for water to flow quickly or slowly, depending on how you know tight the riverbanks are or how loose. Um, you know, it's also if you take away the riverbanks, the water just disperses. Mm-hmm. And the same way, if you narrow the riverbanks too close together that's when you start getting those really rough rapids. So if you can kind of just keep that loose analogy in your head, I think that provides some framework. So if you are on the far side, if you are on the really feminine uh, qualities where you might be lacking that structure, Um, You know, that's something, in fact, I've got a client now who is a singer and, uh, you know, that's one of her challenges is that because she loves the creativity and she loves the work of writing the songs and singing her music, but she doesn't have that structure. And so a lot of times she feels lost and overwhelmed. And one thing that happens with her is that she can be really, um, her mind can just, her saboteurs can take over. And so if you do find yourself on that more feminine side, one of the best things to do is to have your to-do list, to create a calendar or a structure, have just a general sense of how your day is going to go. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the tools that I often invite my clients to use is to use the night before to prepare for your next day. And when you do that, you know if you're on the feminine side, you're going to write out, okay, here's my calendar of events. Here's how long I need to allow myself to move from one event to the next. If you're having to travel someplace, um, you know here's how long approximately the event's going to take place. You know any other structure. But then with my masculine side clients that already do that so well, what can happen is you want to invite more flexibility into that schedule. And so here we come from both sides to the center. It's important to have a plan. It's important to have some sort of structure, but it's also important to honor your body and to allow your body to make some changes. You know, I have a structure of my work day, but if I wake up in the morning and after I do my meditation and after I do the things that I do in the morning, if, I, my body's telling me, hey, you know what, you need to give me a little bit more nourishment today. Mm -hmm. Instead of sitting down at the computer and doing research, I might put that off and take a walk out in nature. And so, and then when, later in my day, when I have scheduled my walk in nature, then maybe that's when I shift to doing that research. So there has to be that element of flexibility and balance. And I think that's really what this is all about. You know, even if you've got a really crazy day where you're working a whole bunch and you can't squeeze in a walkout in nature, you can take two minutes and have a breathing break or take two minutes and focus in on your hearing or on your touch. You know, those are two other areas that are so key just to drop you down into that moment just to give your body even two minutes of a break.
0: There we go. Two minute breaks. We like that. You have a thing for two minutes. (laughs) Chuck Woolery thing, two and two. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's a what thing? Oh, I was just
1: saying uh, the Chuck Woolery with love connection, two and two. We'll be back in two and two. It's a
0: 70s thing. It's a 70s thing. All right. Um, I love the fact that you included the sense of touch. that's a really critical piece that a lot of people are missing in this digital age. They don't realize that we've lost some of the sensory component as we have moved to so many things and so many interactions being digital, you know, that we're not even doing something as simple as, you know, holding a deck of cards, you know, to to play a game when when we're playing with someone. You know, these kinds of sensory experiences are incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. in this change conversation. So we've been taking people on this journey to find their balance. Now I'm going to take, and I'm going to pin you down on some really tight concepts. What's so good about finding your balance? What are the tangible concrete outcomes that people experience? You tell us the story of one of your clients and the outcome shift, because I think that's going to help lock this in for people.
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, in my book, I write about a fictitious client. I don't want to divulge too much of my personal clients, but I'll tell you about Lauren that's in my book. And she is this really hardworking financial advisor, and she gets promoted to open her own office and to hire people, and of course, she hires people that are just like her, because it's easy to work with people that are just like us, right? And then she does so well, again, in this position that she's able to be promoted to the district level. And that's when she starts to incur issues she starts to realize that the way of being the way she is her personality her work style and everything is not compatible with the other people that she's having to manage and so her productivity really drops and she's on the verge of actually, you know, she's thinking, gosh, I actually might be losing my, my career. I might have to, you know, leave and do something else, mm-hmm. which of course creates all kinds of stress and everything else in the workplace. But then that gets carried over to the home as well. And even though she's got a really easygoing husband, she's really stressed out. And he he's starting to have some issues with her. So one of the things that um, I do with my clients and, you know, I do with my fictitious client is to help raise her self-awareness about what's going on and teach her how to speak so that others will listen and listen in ways so that others feel heard. So it's really this dynamic of of the presence, the self-awareness of her own communication style, as well as embracing some of these tools that I've already shared to help drop her stress level. And so when you're able to drop that stress, what's happening in your body is you've got, um, when you're in that fight fight or flight mode, you've got adrenaline and cortisol running through your system, right? Because we're thinking this is the times when we're stressed. It's like a tiger is going to eat you at any moment and you've got to be ready to like do something. You've got to take action, right? So what happens is when we're in these constant states of stress, we need to introduce oxytocin and how we do that is through touch. That's one of the ways, especially for women, just being able to take and to touch our own body, you know, touch our head, stroke Mm -hmm. our hair, touch our face, whatever we can do. If you spend 20 minutes of just you know, being kind to your body, rubbing lotion on your body in a really loving way and focusing all of your attention on that touch, not letting your thoughts spin off to what you need to do, what you should have done, what you could have said, all those shoulda, woulda, couldas. We're setting all those aside and we're showing our body that we are in relationship with it. And when we're in relationship with our body, it opens up all these opportunities for communication. And so Lauren learns in the book that she can embrace some of these practices. She notices things start to shift. She starts releasing oxytocin into her body, which immediately is a you know, stress reduction hormone. And she starts feeling better, feeling calmer. She's able to be more present listen when you're running from a tiger or you think a tiger's going to react you're not paying attention to what's going on in the moment you're thinking oh my god what's my escape route right but if we're present we get so much more clarity we can access all those innate gifts and wisdom you know bringing back to that question that um, was in the chat box how can we start to do these things what's the benefit The benefit is that when we embrace our own innate gifts and strengths, and each one of us has different ones, Mm -hmm. that is how we go about changing our lives and changing the world.
0: Cool. That's a lovely story of how the process works. And that's a very helpful journey. And so the outcome the what's so good about being in balance and being able to listen. And that's why I love client stories is because we can actually speak to what changes did they experience here, the observable phenomenon. And what I've realized is that one of the biggest shifts that people experience when they are out of the fight or flight, out of the constant battle with adrenaline, is that their bodies come out of inflammation. Mm-hmm. they often see a huge reduction in pain and a regaining of the ability to get up and down even up and down off the floor mm-hmm. that stress pay, plays such a large component in any kind of inflammatory condition And, you know, it's funny about that word inflammatory, because it's the same with our personal relationships. (laughs) Dialing (laughs) down the stress dials down our tendency towards inflammatory language. It actually can change the words that we use to communicate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we have reduced the levels of cortisol and of uh, adrenaline in our system. So, lovely process analogy, and I appreciate it very, very much and I love the title of your book, which is, of course, the hallmark of anyone who's in <laughs> personal and professional development. At, we've all had a client that we're like, "Why are you listening to me <laughs> you know in, in, the, in the world of that you're in a positive intelligence of uh, the PQ, which I really like you know, um, the, the PQ world, positive intelligence might look a lot like I'm listening for you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's sort of what I'm feeling. You know, it's a beautiful place to be, Teresa. I appreciate you being able to join us. Would you take a minute and and explain what's the next step with your team program? so that we can all sort of go on this vicarious journey with you. What is the structure of that look like?
1: Yeah, so um, we're still, uh, as, as with the two other coaches that I've partnered with, you know, we're still in the introductory stages of creating this, but our idea is to be able to create some sort of central program where parents or even teens that are like 18, 19 um, can come to us, to be able to um, find a coach that specifically works with this demographic. And I think especially our teens these days are, they have a lot of wisdom and they definitely have a different way of relating in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that there are people that are trained to facilitate this. And so it's just going to be an opportunity for, you know, us to create this so that people can come, they can um, get the resources that they need, and then be able to find a coach or a therapist um, that would best suit them to help them to realize their goals. So that's one thing. And we're still in the, you know, you have to stay tuned for that. There we Um, go. But as far as the Conscious Teens program, I have an online course um, it is four weeks long. It's something that is a self study thing. You can work through. Um, the content is dripped on a weekly basis. And then I also have an elder circle that I'm creating. And so this is just going to be a library of interviews of people of various ages, various cultures. Um, you know, I want to have a lot of diverse viewpoints and lifestyles in there so that teens can listen to everyday sheroes. Um, that was actually the name of my podcast for a while. The everyday sheroes. So they're people that are everyday and they'll be asked the same set of questions. Um, you know, what you, what life was like for you when you were a teenager, what your life is like now, what was, and what do you wish you would have known at that time? And so there will be Kind of just these everyday role models you know versus having teens especially girls but even my middle teenager you know he's very consumed with how even the men are dressing and and what they're doing and how they're looking and and how they're um you know trying to get girls attention and all that stuff you know I, i i really would rather our teens hear from real everyday people versus from the stars or the, you know, these uh, people that have just such unrealistic lives. Um, So that's the elder circle. But the Conscious Teens program, it just really helps to teach and model for our teens how to be in right relationship, not only with others, but with themselves. Be in right relationship and develop that communication, that body wisdom is what I like to call it, being able to tune into your body so that you know on a very visceral level when something is right or wrong for you. And so when they go off to college, they have these really strong tools that when something comes up and there's some peer pressure, they can take a moment, tune into their body, And figure out if their body and if that wisdom, if it's really right, and then that gives them more confidence and more strength. And then it also helps with their relationships, really recognizing where your healthy boundaries are so that you're not giving too much away or that you're not being, um, you know, there's that balance of being open enough, but then not too open with certain things. So there's all sorts of stuff in there, but it's it's really digestible stuff.
0: <laughs> all sorts of stuff in two-minute bites. I got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, the idea of having the buffet, but having it in digestible pieces. And so as you flesh this out, you know, Teresa, Um, I'm super excited that we will be staying in the conversation and that as part of the teen suicide prevention society's mission in the world, what you're doing is certainly right in alignment with the outcome that we're looking for. And, you know, so I'm excited because we will have a lot of synergy and a lot of potential to be able to pull this together and get the outcomes that we're both really looking for, which is, How do we keep them here? How do we help them have the skills so that they stay? And it's becoming a real question in the world. So love that we are part of the process. And I am super excited that you were able to spend the time here today. Now, again, we've got the link that's going to be in the chat box. Katie is going to take care of that for everyone. And so you get to do the follow the instructions it'll also be in the show notes and we want to make sure that you have the ability that everyone listening has the ability to actually take these concepts and put them into a practice Mm -hmm. so that it becomes a it becomes a habit it becomes something that you can use without the need for conscious thought Mm -hmm. so I'll give you all a 21 day challenge. You know, (laughs) listen to every day for 21 days It's part of a, a concept of a no zero day. So make a commitment to listen to one every day for 21 days, no zero days. You have to have one a day. And if you do more, that's great. But just do one, two minutes. It's a commitment I think you can handle. So Teresa, thank you for all that you brought to the show today. I so appreciate your time.
1: Of course, and thank you for having me. And everyone, get outside when you can, or at least I love how Calm is doing that on TV now, where they have the Calm breaks, where for just 15 seconds you listen to nature sounds. If for some reason you're somewhere and you can't get outside, download the Calm app and just listen to those sounds of nature, because those too have been scientifically proven to change the way your neural pathways um, work, as well as kind of calming down that stress level so that you can really just embrace and embody and be present as much as possible in life. Life is is so worth you being
0: fully engaged. So I invite everyone to do it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right, Teresa, again, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing.